There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show, the Inside STL Podcast Network. From the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. What's up, Jackson? What up? How do you like your name? Uh, the name the, the people have given you. The many, the many names of me. Yeah, uh, I like the, the more names, the merrier, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're going to continue to add on. We will see. But at this moment, it's Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. We want to thank Action Jackson for being on the ones and twos and participating in the fun and games that is questions from the audience. And I want to give titles to each question from the audience. Okay. Last week, we focused on Nolan Arenado. I don't know where this one is going to go. This is this is as improv as improv gets. This is as ad-libby as ad-lib gets. I don't know where it's going to go. Sometimes I sit here and I know some of the things I want to get into. This one is just going to be random as fuck, and we'll see where it winds up going. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, the studio sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. If you have not refinanced within the last year, you are leaving money on the table. The rates are at all-time lows. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com and refinance. And if you're in the market to buy a home... Go to thehomeloanexpert.com to get pre-approved. It's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Also, Ryan Kelly of eatlocalmeals.com, a loyal sponsor of both the Tim McKernan Show podcast and the Ryan Kelly Morning After, our studio sponsor here on the podcast, and somebody I personally have done business with twice in the last year, and I recommend to you wholeheartedly. I'm going right into it, Action Jacks. I'm going to see... What we can wind up uh, wind up stumbling upon. Let's do it. Kind of like this one out of the gate, actually. And this is probably going to go to something Missouri basketball related for you. My guess is, my son was so mad and sad with the Chiefs losing the Super Bowl. What are some of the losses in sports, both collegiate and professional, that had you depressed, miserable, heartbroken to the point that it really affected you for an abnormal amount of time? To build off this, for me, it was the Rams and Super Bowl 36, and I learned to never emotionally invest into a team like that ever again. Action Jackson, 2012 Missouri? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of them. The other one, it's not necessarily a loss, but the loss of the Rams really smacked me in the mouth. Uh, realized that sports is a business. They don't give a fuck if you love them or not. Like they'll, It's just totally a business, and like everything you thought was important, because, like, you know, three months prior, I was concerned about, you know, the nickel coverage. And now I am don't even get a team to root for. So that really was a wake-up call that sports is a absolute business. And then the other one would be the 2012 Missouri Tigers and the loss to Norfolk State when they were a two-seed. That was, uh, was gut-wrenching as well. I've got two that come to mind immediately. I don't know. I mean, if... Had had I been had, let me put it this had I been a student at the University of Missouri or an alumnus at the University of Missouri when the '85 World Series would have happened, I would imagine that would stand out more to me than it does now, with the Dankinger call and now being aware of the Kansas City thing that I was completely oblivious to in 1985. 
Um, so two that stand out to me where I was emotionally not doing well were 2001 when the Cardinals lost to the Diamondbacks, and I was there covering it, and I wasn't doing well, which is really weird. Um, and 2002 with the Giants when they lost in Game 5 of the NLCS, both with Steve Klein on the mound giving up the hits to Tony Womack and, and Kenny Lofton. And I really didn't do well with either one of those. Um, in the 2001 case, wound up going out and having booze that evening, um, uh, and it kind of took the edge off. That was a, the Charles Barkley uh, <laughs> post-game booze uh pony uh but the 2002 i was at home in st louis and um and it really wrecked me and i couldn't sleep i'm trying to think i think being at super bowl 36 it actually made it not as traumatic as it was watching at home um for what it sounds like for a lot of people and i don't know why that is i don't know why that is i know i just didn't really want to be there in the first place which sounds so weird but it just, it just, it, it because of the circumstances that it's five months after September 11th, four months after September 11th, I guess, um, and uh, and the building was surrounded by rocket launchers, and you had to get there so early and be searched. It just was, it was like, it was like putting it in your face that things are not the same anymore, and that was, that was tough. Plus, I'm sure there was some trepidation if I take myself back 19 years to just going to the game, and then on top of it. Being a Rams fan at that time was kind of like, I guess, being like an Alabama fan. It's just like, how much are we going to beat them by? And it was, and then it's like, oh, this is this isn't right, and something's wrong, and it, you know. And then I was under the Superdome, and under the Superdome, but like in the you know the walkway under mm-hmm. the stands with I don't even know. I would imagine a hundred media people at least, probably more, standing there with no room, watching a TV monitor as Vinatieri's ball goes through. So the Brady drive and the horror of that whole thing didn't really click like it would have if I were watching at home, probably by myself, because I wouldn't want to be disturbed. So that, that's a weird, th- and I guess in a way I'm glad. Oh, another one, another one was when the Rams blew it against the Panthers in the playoffs, um, the final NFL playoff game in St. Louis. That one really bothered me, and I was on the field as that was going on, and that mm-hmm. really bothered me. Not because I thought they were going to move at the time, but because I'm like, this is a great team, and they are just letting something getting away. And Mike Martz, um, not going for the win at the end of I think regulation, um, yeah, it had to be. It will always bother me. I was at the Missouri Auburn game in '13 for the SEC championship. Um, and that was disappointing because just a lack of a defensive adjustment, and it bothered me. But um, yeah, the ones in 01 and 02, the 2002 NLCS, which is kind of weird, but for whatever reason, that was the one that really wrecked me. You know, and this gentleman Brian writes in about his son. But imagine his son is, you know, I don't even know if his son's 10 years old. His son's 10 years old, give or take a couple of years, one way or the other. I mean, I'm covering the thing. I'm like 26. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a little fucking weird when you look <laughs> back on it. At least it is to me. Yeah. And I was re- I really didn't do well with that. But I think that's the last time a Cardinal loss in the postseason got me that bad. I, and, I, and I think in part because now the Cardinals have won the World Series. So I don't 
I, I think the way it could get me bad now would be my son being old enough and he's not there yet where it emotionally really hurts him. And then therefore I'm hurt because of that, not because I'm hurt um, for my own personal interest. I guess at this point, the only thing I haven't seen that I really care about, I guess a Missouri basketball national championship would be certainly intense if it were to come to that, it, you know. I'm I'm not where you are, Jackson, with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I mean, who knows? I mean, if they go on a run, you know, maybe that I would get it back to to like really, really being emotionally invested. Um, but uh, Missouri college football, if they somehow were in a national championship game and lost in the final seconds, I have a feeling that would wreck me because oh, yeah. that's that's kind of a you know Halley's Comet kind of deal. That's not coming around again. So yeah. uh, if you get there, you want to get it. Which I would imagine, had the Blues lost in Game Seven in Boston, there would have been a lot of fans, whether they be my age or older, who would have been going, "Oh my God, I might never see it." Yeah. I mean, we got this far to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final and still don't have a Stanley Cup. That I bet would have been a really difficult. I'm looking into the abyss moment of my fandom. Yeah. Um, but now that I've seen both the Cardinals and the Blues win championships, um, you know, that it just kind of takes the edge off of the defeats. At least I think it does. I don't know. But again, it, it, I think when my son gets to an age where whatever it is that he's locked in on, uh, that would emotionally impact me. Um, hey, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. Everyone needs a financial advisor. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the one I recommend to our audience. Producer Joe has gotten on board with him. A number of people in the audience have gotten on board with him. He really is the best. He helps everyday people every day, and he will coach you. And it's not like, oh, you have to have X amount of dollars net worth in order to be a client. That's not the way that it works. It's Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, first-class person. Give him a call. Go to evergreenstl.com, and when you do talk to him, you'll be really happy that you did. You'll have somebody on your side. Anytime you need to make a financial decision, you know you can bounce it off him. That is huge. Evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, another wonderful sponsor of this program. Online at designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com. It is freezing in St. Louis right now with a forecast of lows and the minuses want to make sure that thing's firing all cylinders if your furnace is not go to design air heating and cooling online at designairservice.com seth goldcamp design air heating and cooling um let's see you finna build out a podcast space in your home office with webcams monitors proper lighting and such the overhead is so darn low relative to how professional the product can be. I think media studios and creative spaces will be the next amenity built into nearly everyone's home office. Whether a corporate slug dialing in for meetings each and every day or someone in media, everyone would benefit from a space with proper lighting, monitors, and mics. Um, yeah, I've thought about it. I actually thought about it well before the pandemic. We had, uh, when we were finishing our basement, I guess at this point four years ago, we were debating whether or not for that to kind of be the space where we built out for our son um to build it out for like a home office slash studio i remember being over at joe buck's house not the house he's in now but this is like i guess eight years ago and he had built out a studio which was essentially like some like a little a tiny office it wasn't anything like what you see now with everybody going live on zoom and so i agree with that um i don't know what we will wind up doing in a variety of different ways um 
that's a wide-ranging statement, but um, the answer is it's something we're certainly considering, and over the last, I guess, 11 months, it becomes something that it, it seems like it's more and more common. Speaking with somebody just a couple weeks ago who's building one out in um, in his home, um, I, it's now what he was doing was super expensive, super expensive. So I'd be curious. I guess you can certainly do it on the cheap. Now, this person's doing it at a you know ridiculous level, like probably ESPN caliber. You know, we're going live to so and so level. But uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of the that's the way things are going. So I agree with that. That was Timmy recaps with that question. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm 35, and I've always been fascinated at the evolution of YouTube as a media space over the last 15 years. Seems like it started out as a place to put our stupid house-made movies that we'd normally show friends on VHS slash DVD, and has turned into a platform for anyone, everyone, with some creativity and video editing skills. It's also become a landing spot for names like Pat McAfee streaming his show there, for instance, to get their shows, podcasts, videos to their fan base in an easier fashion. A bit of a multi-part question. Number one, is YouTube a medium you've ever considered tackling as a place to post your slash inside STL's content? Number two, have you ever had an idea that would be perfectly suited for YouTube, like a local docu-series weekly show, but were unable to get it out there for whatever reason, personnel, logistics, etc.? Uh, to answer number one, the answer is yes, instantaneously. It is uh, something that um, we have discussed, we continue to discuss, and uh, that is absolute. I mean, I guess in, to an extent I did it in the 2019 Cardinal postseason, but that was kind of a, just a trial thing to see if there would be an audience for these immediate post-game shows, and there was, um, which was great. Um, but it wasn't sophisticated at all. Um, it was pre-pandemic. So even then, the technology, God, it's so nuts to think about. Like the toughest part of doing that thing, well, there are two things. I would, I would set up my phone on a tripod and do it from my basement, and then I would give myself a microphone, and sometimes the audio worked, sometimes it didn't. I was by myself, so I couldn't see it. And God, I mean, you're talking about not even 18 months ago, and now it would just be so damn easy. It'd just be Zoom. Yep. I mean, you, I mean, isn't it amazing? I mean, it's, that's the thing about this stuff. And I think I touched on this either on TMA or on the on the podcast uh, recently is how quickly it's happening. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, it's it's so it's happening so quick. And the key is, and this was just a, a, a call I just happened to have here right before we started this podcast. It is shifting in the direction of, I don't want to say just content creators, because I don't want to say anybody can create content, but the the ratio of people creating content to the people with actual audiences that matter. I'm not talking about like 100 people. And I guess 100 people matters, but I'm talking about something you can actually build a, a business from um, is, is incredibly high. In other words, there's shit, I don't know, a hunt for every one who actually can do it and have an audience and generate revenue there are probably a hundred who are doing it and it's either a hobby or probably a woebegone business model that's never really going to take mm-hmm. but if you are in the mix to do it the ability to distribute your content and own it it's just the way that everything is going and that's a great position to be in so um yeah it, 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 the ease with which to distribute content is um it's just so, it, it truly is, it's, it's an exciting 
thing to see, and YouTube is a huge part of that. YouTube is a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, Action Jackson, any uh, thoughts on that? I mean, we talked about how that's the main way you and your peers access content now. Yeah, YouTube is fantastic. Yeah, like you said, it's the ways you can get content out. Because, like, not only YouTube, but Twitch has become this multi-billion dollar company and not just people who stream video games. People stream a ton of different things on Twitch and it's all very profitable and they have a partnering system with their people who do it. I mean, there's so many different ways to get your voice out there. So for a lot of people, that's going to become a new business model is just getting stuff out there on a multitude of platforms. It is. uh, And it's just so, and it's increasingly, it's almost like I almost, you know, we're talking in February. I almost expect something by June that's that's new and yeah. makes it revolutionary. It's, just, it's happening so quickly, and I don't know if this will continue at this pace or if the next thing is found and then people settle in on that. Because I do feel like there is a semblance of a of a revolution um, for you know. Like I said, Colin Coward, Dan Lebitard, Barstool, Clay Travis. My, who am I missing here? I feel like I'm missing. Uh, Pat McAfee was brought up there. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people doing it. I mean, and if you want to take it to the political range, you know, there are plenty that you can choose from there. Yeah. Uh, where they build their own studios and then they stream on YouTube and they build their businesses. And, you know, I mean, uh, if you watched David Letterman and Kim Kardashian, which I think... Um, you know, was a, was on his series on Netflix, and yeah. she's just like, yeah, I can hold up my phone, and it's basically like having a TV station. Yeah. And I'm reaching millions and millions of people. And Letterman's like, it used to be a huge deal if I had this amount, and you have more followers than you're just holding up your phone. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Now, uh, you know, there, there certainly is some downside with it, because if you are, it depends on what you're, it depends on what you want. Do you want to own your own thing, or do you just want to be somebody who's collecting a paycheck? And I'm and I say just, so I'm kind of framing the latter as being the lesser of the two. But you know, you have to have infrastructure in order to monetize it, or the ability to monetize it on your own. Um, and then you have to have some semblance of capital to do it. It doesn't necessarily require a lot of capital, um, but if you want to make it look good and you want to do it properly, you have to have some expenses that are that are affiliated with that. So either you're taking out money, or you have the money to do it and build it. But um, it is a, an it's absolute world changer. I mean, w- the people who are now famous and making money, whereas 10 years ago you would have known them all, even if you were kind of cringing 15 years ago at Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie um, or Kim Kardashian even then. Uh, now I don't even know who the people are. Yeah, it's crazy because you know, there's so many. TikTok stars, yeah, and, they, and, it's so, and they just become superstars. And it's just it's diversifying you know, the person I find to be captivating is most likely not the person your group, Jackson, would find captivating. And it's not even a case of, oh, I'm not interested. It's a case of I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who they are. And I don't, th- and, 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 and nor do I have any interest in like, oh, I don't, I, you know, the TikTok thing with dancing around, I, I couldn't care any, I couldn't care any less but those people are people who are building up monster, or built up monster audiences. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the mainstream of the old established media are then trying to bring them on board to give credibility to their ventures and bring in young people. Uh, with like Craig Carton bringing on a TikTok star on his show on WFAN is one of the more recent examples of that. Yeah. 
it's crazy yeah and it's it's just like you give these people a platform and you have no idea if they'll you know create something out of it people have just stumbled into like legitimate uh streams of income out of nowhere you know one day they have no followers they post something it goes viral they have eight hundred thousand followers and the next thing you know they have an ad spot with purina dog food <laughs> and they're you know almost millionaires and it's literally just like that guy who did the uh cranberry juice with Fleetwood oh Mac. yeah he's yeah. a recent he that guy was just skateboarding you know smoking pot and now he has an ocean spray deal worth probably a lot of money four or five million followers on TikTok, and he's got a legitimate stream of income probably for the next couple of years it's at least it's it's amazing and i by the way i think it's a great thing mm -hmm. I mean, it's a Agreed. great thing because mm -hmm. um, it's forcing people to you know be creative if they've just been kind of cashing it in um, and then on top of it, it's bringing more people who are creative, otherwise wouldn't get opportunities. So I think it's a great thing. I mean, again, I am programmed, and, I, and, and entrepreneurial is a complimentary term to give oneself. Yeah. Um, I would use the term, I don't know what the right term would be, because I, I, I want to I be direct and, and not give myself a compliment, because I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. I think it cuts both ways. Never satisfied. Whatever term you would you know, want to be, uh, want to apply to that, that's where I am. And I wish I w weren't that way. At the same time, maybe if I were that way, I would wish I had the drive to, you know, never be satisfied. So, it's, so the grass is always greener thing. Yeah. But having that trait, you know, I, mean, I was talking to somebody who I was, you know, working with really, um, and this person's right around my age, only a couple of years older, and the person said, you know, now I am this age, but that doesn't mean that I'm looking to coast. And I'm going, my God, you know, in my mind, I'm 44 and I'm like, I'm, I'm still charging the hill hard, you yeah. know, like in a major way. That's how I view it. But I, I don't, I might be saying that if I get to my 60s, I'll be still thinking that way. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in different ways, though, not like I mm -hmm. got to, you know, I want to create because I see opportunities. I see opportunities I'm not talking about necessarily the the old established opportunities. If anything, that's where I would be shorting. But I'm talking about, you know, what we're discussing here, YouTube and, um, you know, bringing people who aren't necessarily mainstream mm -hmm. and going, my God, these people are super talented and they have audiences. Yeah. Might not be my thing, but shit, we give them our platform. Uh, that, that, is, that, that, that really excites me. As far as the second question, have you ever had an idea that would be perfectly suited for YouTube, like a local docu-series weekly show, but we're unable to get it out, out, out there for whatever reason? The answer to that is no. Um, I don't think that that's a direction that I would go at this moment because that, 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 that would be something like I'm kind of done and this is a passion project because I don't think that that's something that I would make a lot of money on. And if it yeah. is something you make a lot of money on, I don't think YouTube at this moment is the place you would distribute it from a documentary yeah, standpoint. Now, somebody might point to me and go, no, that's not the case. And here is somebody who is doing it and they're making an absurd amount of money. I don't know. Do you, do you have any insight on that? Jackson? Yeah. From what I hear from either people who do podcasts is it's hard to quantify YouTube views because it's not the same as podcast downloads. Um, like a couple podcasts I do, they're like, well, we take videos, but we don't post the whole thing on YouTube because it's, it could take away from the downloads, which is what you bring to advertisers. So 
uh, views and downloads are tough to quantify and you don't want to, it's like splitting the vote. You don't want to mess with that. Um, so there's definitely ways to make a lot of money with YouTube. I mean, shit, there's, you know, hundreds or thousands of people with a million plus subscribers who every view get money, but for a local thing, probably not the best Avenue. But yeah. like I said, like you said, I, for all I know, people do it and do make money. So you also have, I mean, one of the things, cause I did want to do something like a 30 for 30 from a local perspective. Mm -hmm. Now this was pre YouTube. Well, YouTube was probably around, but it wasn't what it is now. Yeah. And you're always dealing with paying for video rights. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest. Uh, that's the biggest thing. All right, that, those were the fan page questions. Somebody asked about uh, Rockio being on podcast. Let me see. I want to make sure I answer that. I mean, the main issue there is it's like when Pete was doing QFTA, and we maybe bring him back still. But Pete has, you know, the the proverbial banker's hours now. Yeah. And from my standpoint, you know, once five thirty rolls around, which was the time we were recording QFTA for the first few times after Pete uh, left TMA. It's just it's I'm, at that point my mind is not firing like it is right after TMA and uh, I like to do it right after TMA and I'm spending time with my family at that point so that is that is Rockio is running the board I think until one yeah he's right? currently uh, doing the board and then he does it for Cam and Charlie show yeah so he's so he's just not available it's kind of like why the Plowhawk wasn't uh, a regular on uh, QFTA either so I think that answers everything that was on the fan page thread this week. Uh, let me go into the emails. Um, we had some good ones, uh, and I want to make sure I get to as many as possible. Um, before I do, I would like to tell the audience about Jim Rogers and Restoration One, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Jim Rogers and Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. 314-888-5266. That's 314-888-5266. Six, six. COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. They've disinfected hundreds of popular businesses, both locally and throughout Missouri and Illinois. Water damage assessment and dry out of your home. Moisture assessment using thermal imaging. Sewer backup cleanup. Mold remediation. Fire and smoke damage. They do it all at Restoration One. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Restoration, the number one of CentralStLouis.com. Or call 314-888-5266. That's Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves. He is my insurance agent. I would like to recommend him to you as well. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I made the switch because the customer service was so impressive. And I had an issue and James helped me out with it. I thought, my goodness, why am I not working with James? And now a bunch of people have made the switch and they say, wow, this really truly is a difference, and I didn't realize what I was missing out on. When you make the switch, they do all the paperwork for you. It's James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Um, let's see. Oh, this is good. There's a lot of – I'm just like – <laughs> I want to make sure I give some good ones because here's the thing. I take pride in QFTA. I love the fact that even though we're not doing as many podcasts as we were because we're not doing the interviews that we were, which is really how we built the thing up, the QFTA has this following and it's building, and I like that I can get all worked up and go on tangents and so on and so forth. So I've liked two of the last three QFTAs, but I went into this one, Jackson, going, I'm not really fired up about anything. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what... 
Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, and then this can become the place where I can really expound on it. Yeah. So I'm looking for something to light my fire. Maybe we have this here. Maybe we have this here. I, I wanted to take care of the fan page first. Um, now I'm in the emails. Tim, I hope this email finds you well. I've been listening to the show since I was 16 years old and still going strong at 31. So my wife is currently pregnant with our fourth child. I guess I can say all this, not that just because somebody has four kids is a dead giveaway. Uh, we have a great sex life. That's probably a bit obvious at this point, but we have always enjoyed watching porn together. We currently actually still have a few DVDs and also enjoy the free contents websites such as Pornhub. She is talking about wanting some new material and even brought up subscription-style sites as a way to keep our stuff fresh. My question to you is, which subscription sites do you recommend? <laughs> I'm wanting to do that. I can't. I, honestly, uh, Jackson, if this were a poker hand, I would call on the river and then I'd take a look at the action on the turn. <laughs> uh, my question to you is, which subscription sites do you recommend? <laughs> I am wanting to do this as a Valentine's gift, but just wanted to get an expert's opinion. We have emailed before. I don't recall. And I'm aiming this to be more for QFTA, but I'm honestly seeking advice on this. I'd appreciate to operate under anonymity at this point, as I do have coworkers who listen to the show and your podcast. My wife listens on occasion as well, and while I don't think she'd mind me asking this in a public forum, I'd rather err on the side of caution. If you are still in pursuit of erotic stories, I can be of service in that regard as well. Stay cute, and he did say, but he does give the full name here. I don't recall, I know you can't see the email, Jackson, but I don't recall this person writing in. But yeah, please send in your erotic stories. Well, it depends on what you're into. I don't know. I'd be curious, and there's really no way to really gauge it honestly, because if you use it on if you do it on the fan page with a poll, then people answer based on, you know, because their, their names are attached to it. So something like this, some people would have their, you know, sex shame stuff and wouldn't answer it honestly. But, like, how many, and, and I can't ask you, Jackson, you're a single gentleman and you're 22, how many married couples, and, I'm, and I'll use it in the range of whatever the earliest ages it would be, to, I don't know, whatever your cutoff would want to be, of the age range of, like, I don't know, anything I say, it's going to irritate people. Let's say 50, and I'm not trying to piss off 50-somethings, but I'm just, in, in, in theoretically, you know, you're still sexually active. Not to say you're not in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever the case might be. That's not what I'm saying, but it, obviously that's more of your peak. And how many watch porn together? Hmm. Arbitrary percentage points? Well, of course. Well, we, we love to fire <laughs> arbitrary. I mean, we could have a wide delta, and I can say I'm writing it down, and there's no way for me to prove it to you because you can't see me. But in my mind... I am going to give a percentage after you are done giving yours, and we will see how close, and I, I will stick to it. I promise you that. 5%. Oh, I think you're low there, but I think I might be low with 20%. My number's 20%. Yeah. But I bet some people would think I'm really high. I don't know. I can tell you this. I kind of feel like I'm going, although Anna Marie will be proud of this, <laughs> uh, but that it, she is just not into it. Yeah. Even though we have friends who are in porn, and it's not like she's like, oh, you're in porn, I can't talk to that. That's not the way that it is. But uh, it's, it's just has never been on board at all, which is really quite a you know, situation for her, considering my interest level and the fact that I'm very forthcoming about it. Um, but, you know, whatever, that's, 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 that's our situation. Um, 
I think if she really were into it, I'm not sure I would necessarily share it. But since she's not, um, and therefore it would be more in line with the mainstream, I'm sure that that's something that uh, she's comfortable with me uh, making public. And if anything, it's just kind of like, I, I think I think it's not that she's like necessarily anti-anti-anti-porn. It's more like, what is your deal with being so fascinated with it? That, I think, is the bigger issue for us. Yeah. But as far as couples... I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I think if the my 5% might be more consistently watch porn together, I think have done it, it's probably closer to your number, but consistently do it. Right. I, I don't know. And it's a, it, I've heard it's like, and I've done it, you know, a couple times with a female, but, and it's pretty wild, but it's. Really? Look at you. What well, is stories? <laughs> it's just like, it is what it is. It's porn is like a, for me at least, and this will go with the whole virgin motif that I guess I've built, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your contribution. Yeah, I guess, but I I'm like, built my virgin motif. I'm a movie nerd and I love movies and quality filmmaking, I guess. And once again, virgin it up, but, uh, acting in porn oftentimes is just like laughably bad. And that, for some reason, takes me out of it. Like, I can't get into it if it's, like, so bad. And there's plenty of uh, people in porn who are actually very talented. But there's, a, would say, a much higher percentage of people that are, <laughs> it's like one take city, you know. It's just like, all right, we got it. I'm sore. Let's go oh, home. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly when it comes to the actual acts. But, yeah, yeah. The, the acting, I don't, I mean, it, I, I really, I'm, I'm truly curious. I and mean, there's no way to really gauge it. I mean, I could tweet it out, but that then brings in the, you know, the flag avatar people who follow me, and I don't really want to deal with them because mm-hmm. then they'll uh, go on the attack because, of course, sex is bad. But uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. You're right on the consistent thing. And in a way, I guess I would say, but I mean, it's it's tweet. Who's to say whose relationship is good and who's bad? I mean, everybody's got their own you know, things. Yeah. Um, but I guess I would say that, cause I have been in a relationship where I feel like we needed, um, like the strip bars were the thing that just charged me up. Yeah. And I look back on that. I'm like that something was fucked up then, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's on me. Don't get me wrong. It's fuck. It's on me. Everything that's fucked up is on me. I'm going to take responsibility for it. But, uh, looking back on that now so i was about to say if you're if the only way you as a couple want to fuck is if you have porn on then that might be a sexual issue i'm not saying it's an issue with the relationship but then at the same time if that's what does it for you then who fucking cares yeah it's like you know like like the, the pegging thing that Rocky, the motif he's, he's built up, even though he didn't really build it up, kind of like you didn't build up the virgin thing. Yeah. Like if, if, if there are guys listening to this, and there probably are, you know, who that's what their thing is, then yeah, okay. Definitely. I mean, it, it affects me in absolutely no way. God bless them. I mean, I, I couldn't care any less. It's kind of how I think I came to terms with, I think it's when I became what I think, of course, I'm sure plenty of people who listen to me think I'm the antithesis of healthy. But what I think is healthy was like the late 1990s, and it was Dennis Miller who, you know, who has morphed into something completely different than what he was doing his HBO show. But he was kind of like, yeah, if somebody next door is doing this and that, who cares? I'm kind of, yeah, why, why would anybody give a shit? Yeah. 
I think there was this thing, and this is you know before your time, Jackson, but that if that people were under the impression that if somebody was gay, that that not not only were they only interested in sex with you know the same sex, but that for whatever reason that they were like predatory about it, and and usually the people who um, would like really have a problem with somebody who is gay probably aren't going to be the people who a gay person is going to be attracted to if you can follow that yeah and, and, and so it was but that that was i think and initially i think that was kind of the, the now don't get me wrong it's not like we've reached this point in american history or global history where homosexuality is completely or bisexuality is completely accepted without penalty don't get me wrong um but a great deal of progress has been made and i think part of it is like okay so who fucking cares like, are we really going to, like, base who we put in office because this person is anti-gay marriage? I think that's where we're at. Now, I, I realize that's probably for younger people. There's some people who still hold on to it and, you know, cite scripture passages to justify whatever it is, the stuff that they're uncomfortable with. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think, at least I think that's what it was, that it's, uh, oh, I'm, I just, I don't want that guy, you know, coming after me. It's like, well, he's probably not going to be <laughs> yeah. doing that if you really like play out the hand, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it was, and now I just don't think. I don't know. I, even even like my friends who are where they're conservative, it's not like they're like, I really need this person in office because I really have a problem with the case. <laughs> it's just not even something that's like uttered. Yeah. And it's not like I'm like, you know, hanging out and take your pick of whatever the most liberal area is that you want to cite. Uh, it's not that. I just think it's something that I think, and maybe I'm off on this, by the way. Maybe we're off on the porn thing and maybe we're off on the gay thing. I don't know. I'm, gl- I'm grateful for the email because it got me going. Which I needed it. I needed it. Uh, but um, yeah, I just don't think. And I know that's not what the, the the thing was about. I guess he's flat out asking sites. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, that's why I'm not sure that the email's legit. Yeah. Because it's like it depends on what you're into, and whatever you're into, you can get it wherever you want to go. At least I think you can. I mean, I guess within within quote unquote reason, but everybody's reason is different. Um. But if not, you just go to the free site and you go there. I mean, are you guys really that, like, discerning that it's like, <laughs> well, we're debating between Reality Kings and Brazzers or subscribing to Abigail Max OnlyFans. You know, what do you think, Tim? I, I don't know. Yeah, we just finished. It's kind of like, like a sandwich shop in St. Louis. It's the argument on social media that will immediately, somebody will say sandwich, somebody will say overrated. It's like you can play bingo, yeah, you know. Seriously. So if, if, you're, if you're into... It depends on what you're into, yeah. you know. We just I mean, for me, my preference is always, and I, I it's based on the attr- the physical attraction of the stag starlet. That is, I know, my thing. That is my thing. I guess I have to buy in that she's into it, even though deep down I know that most of the time, and I'm talking nine out of ten, they're not, and even if they are, there is likely a bulky gentleman <laughs> off to the side with a boom mic no more than five feet away, you know, and I have to, like, you know, forget all that, suspend, uh, suspend uh, whatever the hell it is, suspend disbelief, Yeah. Uh, like with dragons and Game of Thrones. Exactly. So that, that's, that's, that's for me, but then who one finds attractive is in the eye of the beholder. So I can't really counsel you on that. 
I mean, is your is your wife into women? Then, you know, then that depends. Is your wife into something else? What are you into? What is it that gets you guys going? I mean, that's what matters. Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely done it. I've done it with a variety of significant others over the years. And I guess it's, it, the, the, to me, the thing that indicates, this is kind of like when uh, Mr. Smith emailed in a few weeks ago about swinging and how he's getting all these questions at the TMA fan page golf league. Jesus. Uh, which is great. Good. Yeah, God definitely. bless. Hey, man, we, we don't kink shame on the show. It's a sex positive show. Absolutely. Whatever people are into, God bless. Um, that if you can have the conversation with your significant other, to me, that right there actually indicates a healthy relationship. Yeah. To me. To me. Now, other people might go, well, if you have to bring pornography or another person into the relationship, then the relationship isn't healthy. And that's their own opinion of it. And again, I guess I would say to each their own, just like some people are into whatever kink it is. Some people just don't think it's right or it doesn't do it for them. So along those lines, from my standpoint, if you are in a position with your significant other that you can have the conversation about watching an adult film or bringing another person into the bedroom, to me, that is healthy. Now, that's my view of what is healthy. I'm not saying this is something from the New England Journal of Medicine, but from my standpoint... If you are able to communicate that as a healthy relationship, that's a healthy relationship in business, not necessarily bringing up me as a coworker of Jackson's. Hey, what porn you like to watch, Jackson? <laughs> not that, but like being able to have a, a two-way street of communication. Yeah. That to me, communication in general to me is always healthy. And so even if it's not, you don't like what you hear, you know, uh, at least you know where you stand. Yep. So from that standpoint... Uh, this gentleman, I almost gave the name. Uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's great that that you guys are doing this. Good for you. God bless. But what to watch? Why? Like, man, you got to check out Brazzers this month. You got to see what's doing. I just I, I I can't I can't give you that because you know it's a it's it's what you guys are into. It, but that's what you want to do. You don't want to just go to a site. At least that's how I'm viewing it. Action Jackson, you got anything on this? I mean, I know you're not married, and I don't even know where you are on the stag stuff. But yeah, uh, what I mean, do you got? it's like from the, the twenty-two-year-old single perspective on the question. Yeah, from the the question itself. I mean, like, have you finished Pornhub's library, and now you got to move on to <laughs> something else? I mean, I kind of feel like I have. But <laughs> yeah. I know you weren't asking me, but I kind of feel like I <laughs> well, have. Well, ever since they deleted half of the videos, I'm sure yeah, people right. are getting close. More than that. Yeah. So uh, as far like like I said, like I've done it a few times and it was cool and all, but it's not something like I like need where it's like, okay, we got to toss this on and you do it on your phone and it's logistically difficult. But uh, it's like you said, it's health. Like if you are confident enough to like, and your partner is too, to talk about what you want in a sexual relationship, that's good. Like, that's good. If you were to get squeamish and, like, get nervous about asking your partner about something sexual, that is more of a problem, in my opinion, like I said, is my opinion, uh, than bringing either someone else or something else or watching porn into uh, the bedroom because at least in that way you're comfortable enough to ask. And if they say no, they say no. And if they're comfortable saying no, then once again, you're, another sign of a healthy relationship in my opinion yeah i i really do agree with that i feel strongly about it. i really i honestly feel strongly about it. i uh but but i i but truthfully i would love to hear 
somebody, and I'm not talking about somebody who just demonizes sex, and it might even be part of a business model for them to demonize sex, but somebody who you would consider, you know, I don't know, it's tough to, like, convey the proper person, but not somebody like, like in the Pat Robertson realm, but somebody, you know, kind of in the, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s age range and say, well, here's here's why that isn't good and back it up with some science. I'd be curious. Now, maybe they wouldn't, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that that would exist. But from my standpoint, I actually think it is it is quite healthy. So good for you with the uh, question. I just don't think I can really point you in any direction because I know what I like. It's like La Serena 69, worst name going in uh, Stag. <laughs> but, I mean, she's a beautiful woman, and therefore that's who I like to watch. Now, the criticism oftentimes is that the beautiful women aren't the ones who really, um, you know, seem like they're into it. But I think that's a prejudice thing and that, oh, she's too pretty to really, you know, be into it. I don't think most of them are into it. No, there's no, there's Caden no has way. Told me that, Caden Cross has told me these horror stories. And I'm like, okay, you got to stop telling me because I don't want to know this. You yeah. know, I don't want to know that, you know, so-and-so just, you know, vomited you know off to the side before they you know participated in this scene or you know there was a you know unwelcomed fragrance on the set that day you know or whatever it was pasta day on the set that day from crafts or whatever it was i don't want to know i don't want to know it i don't want to know it at all i've got i'm convincing myself that this is the case it's like the tribbing thing yeah you know and now that i've talked with adult stars about it i mean ariana marie lisa ann and they're just like, yeah, we really don't like it. And the directors say, do it. And we're like, okay. And we kind of laugh to each other. We got to do this stupid thing that never would happen in a real life girl-girl situation. But it's for creepy hetero guys like you, you know, who for whatever reason find it to be hot. And I have no idea why. I have no idea why. I'd love to know what the psychological... I'm asking questions of the audience. I'm changing the podcast today to questions of the audience. <laughs> How many of you are watching porn with your wife? And, and this is, of course, operating on the perception that there is not one married female listening to this. Uh, but if you do watch with your husband, please email in. I guess we have had women email in. Um, and, then, uh, and then also uh, the tribbing thing. Why do guys find it hot? I have no idea. I don't have an answer to it. I have no idea. It's kind of like breasts. Why are men, hetero men, attracted to breasts? And I don't know, or, or, or lesbians attracted to breasts. I have no idea. I've had, Janie the lesbian told me one of the things that lesbians look at, Action Jackson, have you heard me say this before? No, I can't. I had never oh, heard it, this. Is it legs or neck? Hands. Hands. Hand size. And then you can play that out as to why. But oh, yeah. yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like soft hands. Well, <laughs> I really uh, I really do. I think that, that that's crazy. This is to a me. size thing, not the texture, but maybe there's something there. I don't know. But Janie the lesbian's like, oh, one of the first things lesbians look at are a girl's hand size. I go, you got to be kidding me. I had never heard this. I was probably like close to 40 when she told me this. I felt like I'd just yeah. been sexual awakening. It. Yeah, yeah, sexual awakening on something that'll never impact me in <laughs> any way and yet couldn't have been more titillated by the whole thing as we were sitting there having booze. Um, all right, I, let's see. I, I, I made the mistake last week. Usually I delete after we answer. Now, a few of these are since last week's so, but then there's some other ones that I wanted to get into. I don't know if I've answered them. Okay, this one I definitely... Okay, so this this one's timely in the sense that the impeachment hearings are underway. 
Uh, hey, Tim, I've seen the Republicans say they don't think there is authority for the Senate to impeach a president already out of office, or others say that the trial will further divide the country. I get that they just don't want to face what happened on their watch, but I think it absolutely needs to happen for the country to move on. And I don't think I've heard you explain why you think it's unnecessary or even harmful. So I was hoping you can explain why you think what you do about impeachment. Maybe impeachment will divide the country even more, but I think it's even more destructive to ignore the cost of a president's lies. If for no other reason than to tell people this is not how our democracy works, and even if a president has only two weeks remaining, they don't get a free pass at a coup. Sweep this under the rug without any consequences, and this becomes the Republican playbook. Spread lies and doubt about elections so that anything close is put under intense scrutiny and permanently doubted, and then whip their violent base into a frenzy to intimidate dissenters. What's the worst that could happen? You lose and go on to become a wealthy political correspondent. I know there are people who will never see Trump as anything but a selfless savior of the country, but just because they refuse to see the truth doesn't mean we have to act like the lie is valid and worthy of respect. Thanks. That comes from Mike. No last name, please. I like the question. I, it's, it's divided into three paragraphs. Um, and so I, of course, can see, see the paragraphs here. I like, I like just flat out asking me point blank where I'm coming from because I don't know if I clearly conveyed that, so I appreciate the opportunity to do that. The second one was kind of more stating opinion is fact. And I, I, I understand. I just I feel the need, because I'm crazy, uh, to call attention to that. Um, not to say that I disagree or I agree with it, but just to, to call attention to it because, again, similar to when we had the show after the Capitol insurrection on January 7th. The show was on January 7th, of course, the event on January 6th. Um, and I laid out, I said, for as crazy as some of you may think the things Doug Vaughn is saying on the show, think about it this way. Doug is listening to the things I say um, and thinking they're just as crazy. And I say that over and over again because I think that really helped people understand the divide, so to speak. Not necessarily the divide of people arguing on Twitter and making personal attacks. Sort of the case. I'm talking about the divide that is rooted in the prism of truth. And so I think, I think one of the core issues is the people on, who are on the other side of you, so to speak, think you are knowingly refuting the truth. So if you think Donald Trump is the second coming, you look at people such as myself, who from the get-go was horrified by the whole thing, um, and think that I am the ignorant one. I am the one ignoring the truth. I am part of whatever that is that is the bad guy. And the people who are on my uh, thought process um, that Donald Trump... Um, is the byproduct of the recent, I think, recent phenomenon of cult of personality, at least in the United States, and it extends to business, too. I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm more horrified by that than the Donald Trump thing, but it's an amazing thing to like see people who I can, can, would say are Trumpian in the sense that the suit is empty, so to speak, even though they not, might not be wearing a suit, and watch how they become gods and just go, what the fuck happened? And how do people fall for this shit? I'm, that actually, I don't want to say, again... It, I don't want to say that it scares me more, or it concerns me more, or anything like that. I'm just surprised by how it happened. And I guess social media had to be the accelerator on that. Um, it has to be that people who 
you know, you can, whatever it is that they do, how they become the cult of personality, but man, this, this person, so-and-so is, and I'm going, do you, like, I think this is a satire, but apparently it's a real thing, and people actually think it's great. Um, I'm sure as I'm saying this, some of you are thinking of them. Some of you might be followers of some of these and totally oblivious to what I'm talking about. Uh, and it's not, it's not limited to politics at all. Uh, it's, it's, it's fucking weird to me, but fucking weird. It's an easy thing to say, I guess, concerning, you know, if, if you find somebody who has a person of substance and is peddling something that is, is, you know, I don't know what the right word would be, uh, that there's real thought behind it and not just like (laughs) doing something for effect, uh, you know, or money. Um, that's, that's, but that's not what I see necessarily going on. Um, you know, it's a, it's essentially like a world of Vince McMahon's. Yeah. But Vince McMahon at least acknowledges what Vince McMahon is. Yeah, that's so, the scary part. So do, you, so do you see this, Jackson? I'm curious if you see it. Yes, absolutely. It's what you said, the cult of personality, where it's like on either side, I'm either like anti-Trump and that's my personality or I'm pro-Trump and that's my personality. Yeah, but some and where I'm going with it isn't even necessarily, although that certainly exists, and some of it's like indirect alliances of or more direct, take your pick, of like if you are a fan of said product then you are also most likely anti-Trump or if you are a fan of said product then you are most likely pro-Trump even though the product doesn't necessarily tie in for whatever reason the audience does I don't know how that happened I just know that I I've seen it um so uh and I'm sure I'm sure right now that plenty of you are saying name names and the reason I'm not naming names is I'm not looking for engaging in something that would have no upside, which is some kind of, you know, fight of some kind. That's because I'm not, I'm not. And, I, and by the way, I don't know this to be the case. It's my opinion that it's the case. There are plenty of people who thought Trump was great. Plenty of people. Plenty yeah. of people. They might not have thought he was great, but still 70 plus million voted for him. Yep. So, you know, you can't, you can't discount that. Now, I think what wound up happening, you know was, you know, 75 million people want to know what the hell happened to the election. I don't necessarily think that was the case just because you voted for him. I don't necessarily know that that was the case. Uh, but that was that was a talking point. So with this, it's not even political. It's just people can get, you know, hold the phone up or record a podcast or write something. And suddenly they become like, you know, <laughs> authorities yeah. on an it's element weird. of business or life. So and you're going, what have you done? I mean, but, you know... I don't know. I think we have a misnomer in the country. Uh, and I remember experiencing this uh, personally a few years ago, that if one has money, he or she therefore is an expert or intelligent. And that is not necessarily the way that it works. Um, and I feel like even more so that is the case. Uh, you know, it, yeah. So, so then, just because you have money doesn't mean like you can give life advice. I mean, you can. Of course, you can. I guess the question then becomes: Should the audience then utilize it? Yeah. Like Jamie Gold won the World Series. This is about as fucking obscure of an analogy as I could make. Jamie Gold won the World Series of Poker in two thousand six. But anybody who follows the game of poker knows that that was the most luck box 
World Series of Poker run in the history of the, the, the tournament. So just because he won it doesn't mean that he now is qualified to give advice on playing the game like Phil, Phil Ivey, who had never won the main event, would be. So, you know, and then Jamie Gold eventually went bust, which people who observed the game and knew the game knew was going to happen. Because now, because he had money, because he won, he then was under the impression that he knew how to play, when in reality, the deck hit him over the head, and he won. So, maybe the analogy works, maybe it doesn't. I guess what I'm saying is, if you lucked into the cash, that doesn't necessarily mean that the strategy for making the cash is something that can apply to other people. You know, in other words, if I went out and won the lottery... That doesn't mean now I can tell you how to how to manage yeah. your wealth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's essentially what I'm trying to say. I, it, I'm not falling for it, so I don't really give a shit. I guess it's concerning because I do know that other people are, and in some of people I would consider my peers, and I go, oh wow, you, oh okay, you know, and you kind of oh fuck, you know, it's kind of like when you find out somebody's like a QAnon. Yeah. Jeez. You know, you go whoa. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I, I don't, you know. You just kind of, I don't know, it just rattles your cage, um, rattles my cage. Maybe some of you are, and, you know, either way, that has gone on. So what the email question is asking, uh, why I, what was the exact, why I think it's unnecessary or even harmful, um, here is why, because he's out of office, and I don't think you will ever see him run for president again, and I don't think what happened on January 6th 2021 is a playbook and I think it is an absolute outlier and if anything I think the fact that it did happen will increase the probability so substantially that it will never happen again that is my premise you still have some in the Republican Party who consider the party's identity to be Donald Trump I believe that that is decreasing with every passing day um I am of the opinion that if somehow, I certainly don't expect this to happen, that he is convicted in the Senate, and as Jackson and I are recording this right now on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, uh, things are underway in the United States Senate. If somehow he is convicted, which again, I do not believe the Democrats expect to have happen, um, that it it could lead to more problems. But in reality, I just, I don't know. I don't... I don't know at this point if it's necessarily going to lead to more problems. I don't know if it's going to lead to less problems. I just, I just don't. I don't. I, the other side of it is I don't really know what we're getting out of it. As I have theorized each of the last two weeks, um, my thought is they want to air this for everybody to see, and then also force Republican senators to have to own the fact that they voted uh you know to acquit when they're up in 22 uh 24 26 that's that's what i think that's what i think it's about i saw a tweet from david axelrod who um was in charge of barack obama's uh campaign and then his chief of staff um for a portion of his um i think for the entirety of his first term and this just happened to come across my timeline this morning um, and I thought, I thought it, I, this, this, this is something that I can, I can see some validity to, uh, even though I personally, uh, was against the, 
uh, impeachment proceedings. Uh, the case against Trump is obvious and powerful, yet few GOP senators will risk the wrath of a base that remains loyal to him. So rather than defend his indefensible actions, they'll call the trial unconstitutional and vote to acquit. In other words, they won't be acquitting him. They will kind of vote letter C and say that the trial is unconstitutional. That's how it will end. But though Trump will get a pass from fearful senators, a full airing of his role in one of the sorriest episodes in American history is worthy and important. He broke his oath. He incited a deadly insurrection. He tried to topple our democracy. That story must be remembered. That's from David Axelrod. Now, obviously, he is coming from the left, um, but I, I get that. I get that. I, I still, for me, for me personally, I don't really know what is going to be accomplished if you look at it in the literal sense of an impeachment trial, because he is, at least I don't think, going to be impeached. And then at the same time, if he were to be impeached, Holy shit. But I guess what I would say is if he were to be impeached, things will have had to have turned so drastically over the course of the trial that enough Republican senators would vote to convict that, yes, perhaps the people who remain their most loyal to him, the people that were there on January 6th and other supporters online, uh, would be beyond themselves. Uh, I would imagine that people who certainly would never have supported that thing on January 6th but voted for Trump must have heard evidence that made them go, oh, my God, because otherwise the Republican senators wouldn't vote to convict. So my my position remains the same. I hope it answers the question. Um, and I, I listen, I get where people are coming from. We have to make it clear that this can never happen again. I understand that. And maybe I'm naive. I just don't think it's ever going to happen again. I don't think this is I don't think this is a playbook because it's a it's a personality it's a personality. Yeah. Donald Trump, you, you, you can hand the playbook to one of his sons, to his daughter, to Josh Hawley. Who else? Ted Cruz? I don't know. Who, I don't even know who else would be in, who else would be in the line for the playbook. Um, it's a short to, list. Yeah. And they don't, they're not going to have the ability to do what Donald Trump did. And nope. I'm not necessarily saying that in a good way you know it's kind of like saying i have the ability to you know not please a woman in the last eight <laughs> seconds you know yeah. i can really do this shit <laughs> you know so i'm not saying it's a positive trait no i'm just saying he is a he is a unique one man i yeah. mean he is he and 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 again it's not a compliment yeah um, josh hawley can't get people like that nope he can't he, he's he's that's not who he is he i think if anything some people probably voted for him uh, a few years ago um, and maybe would even vote for him again now if they were given the choice between Claire McCaskill and Josh Hawley. Um, now, see, you know, what I think uh, others saw beforehand. Uh, Ted Cruz certainly doesn't have it. Um, my God, he almost lost, you know, to Beto O'Rourke in Texas. I mean, you really got to be wobbly for yeah. that to happen. And Donald Trump Jr. doesn't have it. I mean, that's, you know... <sighs> I guess this is a compliment to Donald Trump and that <laughs> and that Donald Trump Jr. can't do what Donald Trump does. And I'm talking about like the ability to fire people up. Yeah, I think part of it, it I think part of it is our history with Donald Trump is uh reality TV star, kind of famous rich guy for many years and then, you know, it was like, Oh, I'm the outsider of politics. I'm gonna 
turn it on its head, and that really got people fired up, as well as his, once again, not a compliment, but ability to incite things in people that probably weren't there, or if it was, it was bottled up, and he made it popular. So I think yeah. his, his, our, hist- uh, our culture's history with him was uh, definitely a part of the reason he was able to create so much allegiance to him. Yeah, and I, man, I gotta say this: I never saw that part coming. I didn't see that part coming. Mm-hmm. I suppose the one who could would be Ivanka, but I'm just not sure deep down that she's like, "Yeah, this was great." <laughs> you know? Yeah. I could be off the mind. She may love her father, you know, unconditionally, which and I think anybody would completely understand. But also go, well, you know, that's not something that I am interested in you know, continuing. And even if it were, I don't, I don't think that her, that's, I don't think that that's her personality, you know, Jared Kushner, her husband. I don't think obviously that I say obviously, but you know, he's not real dynamic. Um, I think she can be, but I don't think she can be in his way. And yeah. I, don't, I just, so I just, and maybe I'm off on this. So, so I, I realize it's a long way to answer the question, but I just don't see, I just don't see it happening again. And so I don't see the upside. I don't see. And listen, it's already had the ship sailing. There's a, there's an impeachment trial going on in the Senate. But when it happened, when January 6th happened, I'm like, well, this is good in the sense that because it's awful. It's an awful, awful, awful thing. But it is good in the sense that unless you are Q as fuck, <laughs> or <laughs> I like that Q as fuck. Unless you are Q as fuck, <laughs> or um, you know, I don't even know what else, where else you could be, that you're like, oh, holy shit, this is eye-opening that it's gotten to this point. Uh, that was a positive in the sense that it couldn't happen again. Now, maybe I'm wrong, man. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, but, but so let's say that I am wrong. So having this hearing, like, what's it going to do? So they convict him. What's that going to do? Because... It's still going to be said, oh, that was fake, and it was fake, and it was uh, they're out to get us, whatever. It, it's never, there's never, there's never accountability. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's ever going to come out and say, I'm sorry. I just don't know what it accomplishes. That's, that's where I'm coming. Again, in a vacuum, if that were to happen in June of 2020, different conversation. Hell, even November, which was possible yeah. of 2020. But a week out from, you know, I guess two weeks to be exact, out from the inauguration of Joe Biden. I just don't, I just don't see it. All right. Um, I, but I mean, I, I get where you're coming. It's not like Mike, you're, you're, I, it's not like I'm coming at it like, man, you're out of line. I get it. I really do. This is my own, um, perspective on it. All right. Let's see what I got here. Let's see what I got here. I've got so many here. Um, Tim, very important question. Where did you get wow, wow, wow from? I find myself responding to people with that many times during the day, so I was just curious if there was an origin story. Thanks. That comes from Dave. Wow, wow, wow comes from my dad. Um, I don't know how long he's been saying it, but um, it, 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 you know, now at this point, like my brother Kevin, always thanked at the end of the Ryan Kelly morning after, uh, owner of the improv shop. And, uh, you know, so he has a background in improv comedy, loves doing impressions of my dad, even when we're all sitting there at my family's house. Uh, Not necessarily the wow, wow, wow thing, but like (laughs) when we we were growing up, 
<laughs> I mean, it was brutal growing up. I mean, I'm saying our child was brought. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about like how you would get like, oh shit, I got to go run and turn off the lights. <laughs> like, like if somebody like on Christmas morning, you know, somebody would break a toy, and I go, damn it, pick that up. I'm not buying another one of those damn things. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. That was that that kind of thing. And my brother will break that out on Christmas morning, <laughs> and me and my brother Danny and my sister Mar know exactly what it's in reference to because we grew up with that that kind of thing. Wow, wow, wow came from. Um, for me, anyway, I don't know, I'd be curious asking my brothers and my sister about it. We have a video. I don't even know who shot it, actually. might have been uh, Kevin's wife um, over at uh, my house, my, Anna Marie and I, our house, when we were doing um, a gender reveal just for our family. It wasn't like a balloon or I was, you know, hitting a nine iron into a balloon or something like that. Those are my favorite. <laughs> God. Uh, for just our family. So Anna Marie's parents, she's an only child and I'm one of four and my parents were over at the house and it was, re- I mean, this, this would have been, this would have been tough. We would have had to like destroy this video. I really wanted a son. Yeah. Really wanted a son. Now the reason for it is very like middle ages, you know, of the family name. Yeah. My dad is one of four. His brother uh, never married, doesn't have children. And then his two sisters, obviously, you know, have their married names. And um, my dad didn't have any, my dad's dad didn't have any brothers. So, you know, as far as this uh, family name, for me, and I don't know how important it was to anybody else other than me, it's not like my dad ever said a thing about it. I don't know if he cares. Uh, I really wanted to have a son. And it's just, it's a a very antiquated thing. I remember saying something on the radio and I look back on, I go, God, that really was an ignorant statement. I know it wasn't said with any malice, but looking back on it, it was ignorant. I I remember saying, it was kind of a joke. I was saying, I just want to have one straight son, you know, inferring that then he would have the chance to keep the family name alive. And I remember Mrs. Dotum, who I always jokingly say, but she actually might be the most intelligent listener of the program. Uh, sent in a text, and I know her, but she sent in a text to the show going, like, why does why does the son have to be straight? You know, the, the, the genes can be passed along, the name can be passed along if he were to be gay. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're right. And, and, and I thought, by the way, not now she could have done the, like, Twitter thing where, oh, my God, I'm going to take him out for saying that, yeah. that kind of thing. But by presenting it that way, like, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be. That actually made me think about it and go, oh, I was actually wrong, and now that I think about it, that was a pretty ignorant statement, uh, as opposed to, like, you know, somebody who was all f- fucking angry about it, now trying to take me out on social media for saying something that truly was more more or less a joke, but also just something that was dumb on my part. Uh, and then, so tip of the cap to her uh, for, you know, for presenting it that way. So anyway... The wow, wow, wow thing. So we're shooting the video. My, my sister-in-law is shooting the video, and we find out we're having a, a boy. And uh, she kind of pans the room after Anna Marie and I embrace and, and kiss. And, um, and my dad, and you can kind of see, has tears in his eyes because he's going to have his first grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, wow, 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 wow. And I, I mean, I can see the video over and over again. I still have it. Yeah. And, but I mean, that, that wasn't the first time he ever said it, but that is where 
I think as far as when I can picture it, that is actually where it comes from. And now I realize it has, uh, you know, taken its own, you know, life of its own amongst uh, TMA, the TMA lexicon of, you know, take your pick of. Yeah. What do you think are some of the most TMA lexicon phrases from the show? I know one of my personal favorites and something I use is when you do the Jiminy Glick voice. I find that. <laughs> Which is just, I mean, there's a show that was so obscure. It only aired for a couple of seasons. But, I mean, Jackson, it was on, but like you were like one. Yeah, Marty know? Short, right? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever gone on YouTube and yes. typed that in? <laughs> it's the He wears the fat suit yes. and he sits there and interviews guests, which is kind of like what Galifianakis does with in bet, uh, Between yeah, Two Ferns. Yeah, but I mean, Galifian, I don't know if Galifianakis got it from Martin Short. It's exactly what it is with Between Two Ferns. Yeah. But obviously it came before that. Yeah. And I feel like Martin Short's Jiminy Glick may have come as an impression of of somebody else doing that. But it is something that it's one of those things. Like I always say, if you're ever in a good mood and you want to come down from a manic state, go read the comments and on an stltoday.com article about race. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> I mean, that is... Any news channel is, on Facebook. I just if They post like, I've, uh, I follow KSDK on Facebook. Oh, God. Which I should stop, but I do it. And yeah, if you ever want to... I mean, it's like the, the bat country. signal for bigots. Yeah, it's what is the? I mean, for real. What and you the, always see the most bigoted posts have the little diamond next to it that says "top fan" or "top yeah, commenter." It's like it's almost fun. like I saw today. I was reading, you know, before the show, reading, you know, before we get going on on TMA, mm-hmm. and I'm reading. There's an article, Kevin uh, C. Johnson, who I would have met because your mom worked at the Post, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, probably knows him. He's been yep. working there forever. And he wrote about this dispute among the lunatics, the uh, you know the Saint Lunatics, which was yeah, you know, Nelly, Nelly Murphy Lee Molly. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the feud is. And I'm like, oh wow, there's comments under the article. And then I'm like, oh, there's comments under the article. Yeah, yeah, check yourself. <laughs> At first, I'm like, I'm surprised the people who would read this would be the people who would comment on the article. As I oftentimes say, Joe Buck said to me one time when he got ripped for the way he called the Cardinals and Red Sox World Series, he goes. Do you know anybody who would actually write a sound off letter into the post dispatch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and now the now that the sound off section is basically Twitter, and now you know yeah. there's outrage on Twitter. It's like there's outrage in the sound off section. That's the equivalent of what we're doing with media now. Yeah. But either way, I for some fucking reason, Jackson went and read the comments, and of course it was the most, not all of them, but ninety percent of them. They're just like bigoted shit. Like, oh, their parents must be real proud of using those names instead of the names that they were given. You know, I'm like... Oh, God. Yeah, it's such a reach. <sighs> I yes, because, because all members of the rap community use their main name. I mean, just oh, go yeah. fuck yourself. It's the Morgan... I saw that with Morgan Wallen where, you know, he said a terrible word, which you should never say. And it was like, well, these rappers, they use it all the time. It's <laughs> so, like, whoa, you know, well, gotta do yeah, default, come on yeah, now. You know, it's, or uh, it's cancel culture, whatever. It's just... it's use a little logic here. Oh, it doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't. It's like, I guess, I guess in a way, it's nice because now you got your tell, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I know not to. But, but with those things, they're anonymous, even though STL today every year tries to find a new way to weed out the bigots. They can't, they can't stop them. They're, no, you, know, you can't. It's the 21st century, you know, white sheet, and that's where they go, and that's where they gather, and social media behind the anonymity. So, uh, you know, whatever. But... Uh, that that's that yeah i if if you're ever on a high and you want to come down go read the comment section and if you're ever on a low and i think this stands the test of time 
the Jiminy Glick or between two ferns, but Glick, you just type it in YouTube. And I mean, it puts me I, anytime. Sometimes Anna Marie and I'll just be lying in bed. As I said, we're not watching porn. I'd love <laughs> to bring it into the bedroom. I absolutely would. It's just not happening. I mean, at yeah. this point, it's 13 years. All this, She isn't all of a sudden going to go, you know what? I know you're really into La Serena 69. I'd like to see what's doing. Yeah. It isn't happening. I mean, it, I mean it'd be, it, if it did, I'd, I'd put on one of my most disappointing performances. And it's <laughs> tough to find a Mount Rushmore of those. But I know I would put on one of my most disappointing performances. But we'll sit there and just like, well, let's watch the Seinfeld glick or let's watch the Julia Louis-Dreyfus glick or Billy Crystal or Steve Martin glick. or yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so quick and so dumb but it's so good. It truly is between two ferns. About ten years between before between two ferns. Definitely. I, so you have watched them. Oh, absolutely. And I just enjoy watching it because nowadays there's kind of been a death of character comedy. Like back in you know 80s or 90s, a bu- every comedian on SNL they had like a list of characters. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, and I guess Bill Hader had his like he had a nice list of characters and. He's, yeah, he did. You're right. He's gone on. You know, I love Barry, and he's doing incredible things. But um, you really rarely see a lot of like characters. Like Sandler had a bunch of characters, and Chris Farley had a ton of characters, and that I really enjoy that. And Marty Short is one of the, like the the best. Steve Martin, him and Steve Martin were very worked together a lot, and uh, I love Jiminy Glick. I find that because it's dumb, but the but it's dumb and it's. That's the genius behind it. It's, it's, it's dumb, but it's hilarious. And it's so... I mean, God, there's just a few of those things. And he clearly catches, you know, whether it be Seinfeld or Julia Louis-Dreyfus off guard, Steve mm-hmm. Martin. I mean, it's, he's obviously sitting down with minds that fire that quickly as well. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crystal smooching with the boys. That's where that one came from. <laughs> his, his character on, I mean, a super obscure show from the 1970s before my time called Soap. And I guess he was a gay, he was a gay character on the show, which had to be like fucking crazy cutting edge in the 1970s. Yeah. And Jiminy goes to Billy Crystal you're not gay, are you? <laughs> and Billy Crystal goes, no, I've been married. I have daughters. And he goes, but you played a gay on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's he, my he favorite. Says, so not in your, pri- you're in your private life. You don't like to go smooching with the boys. <laughs> and I've just adapted. I'm sure most people are like, where the hell does that even come from? I mean, like, you think you picture our audience yeah. probably closer in age to you than me, and therefore they weren't watching that shit. And I'm, do- I'm sitting here and I'm just doing this voice. It's just fucking, there's so many things like with some distance. I go, God, I am re- I'm, having a, I'm having a lot of self-realization through this podcast <laughs> of like, wow, I really am fucked up you know i mean i'm fine with it but it stands i like i'm it's like driving at home like how fucked up i am that i'm doing jiminy glick voices on morning drive in st louis <laughs> and just like nobody even says anything about it <laughs> it's just part like you said it's part of the lexicon like i can't if someone says the name bill i cannot stop but giggling a little bit <laughs> it's a night and that and that you know some of this stuff now anna marie being a little younger than me, uh-huh. um, you know, will watch something and then she'll realize that something that, now I never claimed it as my own, yeah. but she'll, well, I don't know, whatever it is that we're watching, she'll realize it's lifted from there and then she'll say, God, I hate you so much. You know, <laughs> then she realizes that yeah. it was just lifted 
from, you know, uh, you know, like something as dumb as my family and I are looking for sex, which is an obscure line from yeah. National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yep. You know, I think the lesser of all of the vacations. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay, you agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is, is you know that something like that. And she didn't know that. I mean, shit, she was probably like one or two when that came out. And we're watching it. And then there's, you know, Chevy Chase <laughs> knocking on the door. Ah, yes, my family and I are looking for sex. With the with the gangly, uh, what was the kid's name? What was it? Russ. Russ. The, I, don't, I don't know what the actor, I don't know who the hell the actor no, was. He didn't yeah. do much after that. No, he didn't. But that, you know, they had Anthony Michael Hall in the first one. But the yes, one indeed. for European was like 680. looked like he was massive and gangly. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was, a, is, there was a rotating door of Russ and Audrey's. And there, there, that there was, was the strangest indeed. one. Yeah, he didn't do much, uh, and the other—I think the Audrey in that one—I think she passed away at a yeah. Uh, she like right after, age. right after European. Vacation. Oh, is that right? I think it was like she was like in her teens when she died. It was really sad. Really? Yeah. There's a couple I like uh, the girl from Caddyshack, and she was also in Animal House, who had the weird Irish accent, and Caddyshack like had a real mental breakdown after Caddyshack. Never, really? never acted again. I believe she developed schizophrenia and lives out in some cabin. Changed her name really fucked up her two movies on her imdb are animal house and caddyshack which are both are you, I, I was just going to imdb to, to uh yeah it's her name that. yeah she was the girl it's who played analogy, 13 in animal house who uh pinto took to the toga party i think wow well, yeah, i remember i remember that i just didn't uh, i'm trying to yeah, she had the weird the, the out of nowhere irish accent in caddyshack sarah holcomb yep Maggie that's her O'Hulian? yep that's her yeah, now she played like a Southern Belle in uh, Animal House. Yeah, like she played the dean, the the mayor's daughter in Animal House. Wow, wow, now see, I'm going to sit here and go into this. Uh, hmm, according to the director, Reverge Anselmo Dory Lawrence of the film Stateside in 2004 was based on a real actress in the 70s who did four movies, two of them big hits, before disappearing for the from the industry. On the DVD commentary, Anselmo reveals that the actress's brother plays the character of Silvio. The actor is David Holcomb, leading many to believe that the actress is Sarah Holcomb of National Lampoon's Animal House and Caddyshack. Someone listed as S.H. is thanked in the end credits. Huh. Crazy. as fuck. It's like crazy. And there's like a ton of stories about that from the 70s and 80s about people who just either got into drugs or just didn't like acting or like Hollywood horror stories. Like once again, Caddyshack, Cindy Morgan didn't do much acting after it. And Lacey Underalls. Yeah. And there's a lot of theories that, um, a, a producer, I can't remember the name, like wanted her to do a playboy shoot. And she was like, I don't really want to do a playboy shoot at all. And he was like, well, if you don't do this playboy shoot, then you're never going to work in Hollywood again. And she never worked in Hollywood again. Wow, wow, wow. And there's like stories about that all the time. 70s and 80s about shit like that, whereas Hollywood was fucked up, man. And it was a lot of stuff like that. And it's it's sad, too, because Cindy Morgan was, I loved her in Caddyshack. She was Yeah, I feel like she did a good job in that, too. Her and Chevy Chase, when they're at Chevy's house, just, and that's like Chevy, you know, you put that in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, But she's up there with him, you know, batting 100 with him, batting 300 right next to him. Why don't you tie me up with one of your ties, Ty? Exactly. Bingo. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, all right. Munganast has wonderful... Uh, Jackson, Jackson, you're full You're full of trivia <laughs> from movies before your time. Yeah. Uh, Munganast is the official car dealership of this program. Uh, they have deals going on at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. At Acura 2021 RDX SUV all-wheel drive. Zero down. 
374 per month, 36-month lease. Uh, and then AltonToyota.com. 2021 RAV4 SUV all-wheel drive, zero down, 329 per month, 36-month lease. Same deal, plus 0% financing for 60 months with approved credits. AltonToyota.com, St. LouisAcura.com, great pre-owned selection as well. You can shop online. You don't even have to go there, and they'll deliver the car to you. AltonToyota.com, St. LouisAcura.com. All right, I'm going to read one more because there's timeliness to it. Tim, I'm sitting here on Super Bowl Sunday, and I saw a picture of Travis Kelsey in the Blues jersey. It inspired me to throw on my tinfoil hat, so see if you follow. The Blues retro, red retro jerseys seem to be fairly polarizing. Love or hate them, they are bold and an interesting choice. But why red? The winter classic jerseys are loved, and the Blues had a layup of sorts doing the white version. But red clown barf jerseys with yellow numbers? Tim, I want you to look west. And think about a team that is all red and yellow. Pander to me, baby. Pander to me. They all want to sell merch. Blues fans will buy anything. So that is the built-in audience. Can't lose. The Hunts want St. Louis. Stillman wants Kansas City. So let's make a version that Chiefs fans that might be on the bubble about supporting the Blues will at least have something in Chiefs colors. The Blues don't miss ever. So even a 50-50 seems like a miss. I think this was planned. Anyway, blues hat on the blue, blue hats on the road or die. That's from Dave with the cauliflower ear. Action Jackson, field it. <sighs> well, the blues red uniforms stink. Can you repeat that last part? I'm sorry, I was looking at something. Uh, I already deleted it to make sure that I didn't reread it again. Fuck me. He's basically asking if it's a conspiracy that the Blues oh. chose the red jerseys to appeal to. Because there aren't a, are there, how many teams have red and yellow colors in in the four major Calgary Flames. League? You have uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Although the, yeah, they change like NBA teams are changing their colors like on a regular yeah, basis. You, now. The, the, I saw the Houston Rockets were blue the other night, so I really can't. That's not really definitive. There's. I do not believe that they're trying to appease with color uh, because the Royals are blue. Uh, I mean, they, Kansas City and St. Louis are similar where our baseball team yeah, is the Yeah, but I mean, you already, have base, you already have a baseball team here. Yeah, so I guess The thought that's... process is, I mean, and it's one of those things when I said it, it kind of irritated people. I, I, I almost feel like it's a there's no Santa Claus thing. But if you think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey just really wanted to go to a blue yeah. Stanley Cup game... Okay. That's, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I think most of the retro and, uh, you know, different jerseys, and I'm, I might blow people's minds here, are ways to sell merchandise. And ways, No question. Yeah. But this one, of course, is going into a deeper, and I had never thought about this. I mean, and, and by the way, fine. You know, there's mm-hmm. no NFL team here. You want to grow it? Fine. I think some people certainly go, well, what about the hunt vote on the committee? And I get that. Uh-huh. Um, but... You know, uh, the people adopted the Chiefs. That's fine. They're, an, you know, an exciting team. If you want to justify it with the Missouri thing, good. I mean, whatever. I don't. That doesn't. I don't. I, I don't care. I, I. I will know. I didn't root against the Chiefs on Saturday or Sunday. I rooted for my DraftKings team. Yeah. Uh, so if anything, the Chiefs being terrible killed me. Um. So along those lines, I think. I think. I mean, it's obvious strategy. Try to get St. Louis NFL fans and try to get Kansas City NHL fans. And oh yeah. So the Mahomes and Kelsey thing at a Blue Stanley Cup game. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they, you know they probably flew in private, little thirty minute, forty minute flight, and uh, you know, uh, 
then put on Blues jerseys, sit in a suite and watch a game. That's not a bad way. I'm sure they weren't like or against it, but I don't think it was necessarily their idea. Maybe it was. I don't believe it, but maybe it was. I don't. But now we're going. Now we're going to another level with the Blues retro jersey being an appeal to bring in Kansas City Chiefs fans. It seems like a bit of a stretch. I mean, I think I actually I don't see that. I enjoy. I, it didn't even cross my mind. I'm just like, ah, this is ugly, and it wasn't really oh, a great brutal. It wasn't looking. great in the '90s, and what are we doing here? But I, you know, there are some people who really don't like the Cardinals powder blues. And I like them, but now that they've been brought back, it doesn't, you know, I mean, I was looking at those when I was, they were winning the World Series in 82 and I was five years old and it just had a different thing than now, although I still like them, it just doesn't, it doesn't have the impact that it, that it does, you know, because it's not the same time. Yeah, I just, I, I actually really enjoy that question because A, I love uniform talk and B, I like a nice uh, sports conspiracy theory. So I do, I do enjoy that question. I think that the red isn't really trying to piece the Chiefs, but I do believe that the St. Louis Blues and Kansas City Chiefs work together. I think you, like you said, the Mahomes Kelsey thing is a prime example. I mean, if I know anything about what I can tell from Travis Kelsey, he enjoys himself a nice time. So when they say, "Hey, go out to St. Louis, sit in a suite, and enjoy the Blues game," and have a couple cold ones. He was probably like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Sounds well, good. Yeah, but I mean, to get Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey sitting there and on the board and on that whole thing. Yeah, it was huge. And wearing the, and O'Reilly wearing the Chiefs helmet at the Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All-Star I mean, it's a, game. It, there's just, this, you know, it's, it's ABC as can be. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it, I think it bothered some people when I said it because they didn't want to believe that, you know, that things can be this way. But things yeah. are this way. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I had this is the kind of things that's so obscure that you might actually be familiar with it because it seems like you're big into things that I consider to be obscure and, and yeah. you're on top of it. There is a podcast, and I can't wait to listen to it. A friend of mine recommended it to me called Wind of Change. Are you familiar with this? Wind of Change. I want to say I had a friend mention something about wind of change but i've never had a chance to listen to it now i have not listened to it uh yet came out last year and it is based on uh a song written by the scorpions uh and it's about the cold war Mm -hmm. uh and the wall coming down and now what my friend i haven't listened to i can't wait to listen to it. it's on my phone and ready to go might be might be something i uh, listen to over the next few days uh, that the song was actually he tells me and I'm going to listen to it so I'll be was actually constructed by the CIA written by the CIA for a German band to perform they chose Scorpions to get them over they had something over Bon Jovi's like I don't know a guy high up with Bon Jovi I actually do remember, as a Bon Jovi fan in the 1980s, thinking it was really weird that the opening act for Bon Jovi were Scorpions. (laughs) (laughs) And... And said, you have to have the Scorpions open up for Bon Jovi on on this part of the tour. And it was propaganda. And the whole premise of the podcast, and I can't wait to see if the the way that he represented to me is is the way that will be my takeaway from the podcast is that the key to propaganda is for the people to not realize it's propaganda. Yeah. 
Definitely. You know, mm-hmm. like it was great watching professional wrestling when you thought it was real. <laughs> <laughs> All due respect. Yeah. So I'm sure now this is this is a drastic stretch from the Scorpions and the CIA and so on and so forth. I'm sure for those of you, like, oh, man, this is great. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are caught up in the blues thing, too. And then here I am, you know, the next morning saying, yeah, I mean, smart by the blues to have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey come over and act like they, you know, and the people are like, fuck you. That's not what it was. They really were into it. I'm like, OK, maybe they were. Yeah. And maybe the Blues really were like, yeah, we're going to wear Chiefs helmets for you know, the... <laughs> because Ryan O'Reilly really happened. a massive Chiefs fan. Yeah, maybe, I, that really, maybe that really happened. I guess I would ask this. If the Rams were here, would they do that? And you go, well, of course not, because there's a team here. But what I'm saying is there's an open market here, and there's an open market there. And the NHL's probably not going to put an NHL team there anytime soon. I would think they'd get an NBA team for the NHL team, but maybe not. I don't fucking know. Um, and St. Louis probably isn't going to get an NFL team, so it makes sense to cultivate the fan bases. Yeah, unite. To, 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 yeah, to, to benefit. So I get it. I, I, I'm not mad about it. I got people mad at me for, you know, uh, for presenting it. So I presented it, and it was in, you know, it's not like I know it. I just am pretty confident that that is the, uh, that that is the case. So... On the retro jerseys and what wound up happening with the retro jerseys, I don't know on that. I can't say that with certainty. I've never even heard it until it was presented to me that way. Um, yeah, so. had had they not worn them in the in the '90s, then I think there would be. I make me think a lot more if they were just like, "Hey, here's these red and blue jerseys out of nowhere." Maybe I could see that, but they are retro jerseys, so it's. It's a little bit different than them just kind of pulling it out of thin air. Right. If all of a sudden they're wearing red and yellow. Yeah. Then I'd be I like, know. Mm, I, 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 I Listen, I'm not completely dismissing it, but I don't think Neither that, that is what's going on. But who knows? I could be off the mark. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Questions from the audience. Uh, send yours in. I really want people to, to, to work with me here. Send it from your burner email account. Um, you know, are you and your wife watching Stag? I'm really curious on this. And I'm not talking about like, like currently. Have you, it's a two-parter, mm-hmm. have you with your current significant other? And then the second is, is it something that you do once every month? Is that a good enough barometer? So once every 30-ish days? Yeah. Or is that too much? No, I think that's that would be right. I mean, I guess I don't know how sexually active our listening audience is. but Oh, God, I think our audience fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Seems the way they talk about my thinking I'm a virgin, they're all <laughs> fucking Hugh Hefner, what it seems like to me. <laughs> Those are the team occurrences at SDL.com. I don't know. I guess it's I, I guess it's more con- see for me, like some people I'm sure probably like, you know, take your pick of, you know, what I'm talking about with threesomes and foursomes and such, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's common and then people are like, that shit really goes on. So from my standpoint, ah, you know, but the porn thing that isn't going on, it's not even like on the on the radar of going on, mm-hmm. and you know, you go, holy shit, there, there's you know, fifty percent of the audience, there, I just can't picture, I just, I just, maybe it's going on, maybe there are people who've been together for like fifteen years, and they're like, oh sweet, the kids are asleep, let's turn on the latest Brazzer scene. You know, yeah. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, that was my other logistical thing is like, you got roommates or kids. 
what's the volume situation on that? And what device are you using? Because if you're using your TV, you got to be careful with the volume if you're not, you know, just two people in a home. And if you mm. got roommates, because like kids my age, like most of them have roommates, especially when I was in college, they have roommates. Yeah, and if you're blasting stag and then you start <laughs> engaging and if yeah, you're doing well, things right, it's not going to be quiet and no. it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I really want that. And then this gentleman who said he had erotic stories for me, uh, feel free. We always like good erotic stories. Absolutely. Pete's buddy Deebs used to send him pictures, uh, not pictures, my God, not pictures, God, please, stories. No pictures. Yeah, <laughs> we get plenty of those in the text inbox. <laughs> stories. Oh of his uh, masturbatory adventures on I-70. All right, time to shut it down. Thank you to our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Uh, Seth Goldcamp, design air, heating and cooling. Uh, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson at Munganess, stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of centralstlouis.com. And James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency for Action. Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show, Inside His Tale Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.